the nativity scene. It is a good thing because it um, forces the question, do I believe? Do I believe that this thing is true? And if I do believe that this thing is true, do I believe what's true behind it? Because if this baby was born, this baby came, as we've seen, with prophecies and with expectation and with all kinds of things on top of him, that means he came for a reason. He was sent by love. Do I believe the love that is behind the nativity scene? In the weeks ahead, as we transition into a new year, what we want to do is kind of review our COVID calling. Remember that we want to stay connected, anchored to God, connected to each other, and faithful to God's call to live a life of love in the world. Today, what I want to do is I want to share with you uh, a little bit of the first part of our calling, but I want to do it by telling you a personal story. As most of you know, I spent eight weeks last fall on a renewal leave, uh, and what I want to do is share the story of one of the things that God taught me on my time away as a way to illustrate what it means to stay anchored to God. Now, 2008 was the last time that I was given a renewal leave, the only other time I had a renewal leave as a pastor. Uh, it's also called a sabbatical for some, it's kind of synonymous. And at that time, I had been awarded a, uh, an Eli Lilly grant, which meant that I was able to do a leave with a budget, a budget to spend, uh, places to visit, people to see, and a detailed plan to enact. This time, not so much. <laughs> I have to confess that I wondered what God could possibly do to renew my soul in the middle of a global pandemic where I didn't have much of a budget and I had no detailed plan at all. Well, it took less than two days for the Lord to speak and for me to be aware that he was certainly at work. So what I want to do is just share with you the summary of some of the things that I learned, okay? First of all, the goal of our lives, in other words, the end result, the ultimate conclusion of what is going to happen to us, the goal of our lives is to live with God forever. God who loves us gave us life. It's his gift to us. Our own response of love, our own response of love to the love God showed, our own response of love allows God's life to flow into us without limit. Huh, interesting. Everything in life, everything, from success to failure, uh, health to sickness, long life, short life, ease, struggle, everything in life, there is the potential of calling forth in us a deeper response to our life in God. Therefore, I want and I choose what better leads to God deepening his life in me. These words come from something called the First Principle and Foundation, which was written by Ignatius of Loyola around 1524 or so. Ignatius, of course, was the founder of the Jesuits, and he is one that has helped countless Christians uh, anchor themselves to the Lord more firmly through a practice of a thing called the prayer of examen. Now, it might help you to know that part of the impetus for this renewal leave was the fact that over the course of uh, many, many months, I was finding myself growing more and more spiritually flat. When it came to my spiritual life, I felt like I was kind of just going around in circles. 
Picture in your mind a mighty river, okay? Just a massive river. And the center of the river is where you find the strongest current, right? If you go to the edges of the river, the current kind of shifts. Some places it's really calm, other places it's a little confused, and in some places it's actually spinning in a circle. The places where it spins in a circle is called an eddy. When a floating leaf gets caught by that center current, it, it, it's carried along quite nicely. But when it starts to drift away from that center current, all kinds of things can happen to it. And when it gets stuck in an eddy, it transfers or exchanges its forward direction for a so, slow spin. I felt like I had drifted into a spiritual eddy in my life. That for some reason I was uh, not making forward progress. I wasn't hurting, I wasn't depressed, I wasn't, you know, it just nothing seemed to be strong, wrong. It's just that I wasn't moving forward anymore. Maybe you know what that feels like. I wasn't getting anywhere. While I was spinning in circles, um, this scripture text kept coming to mind. It just stayed in my head for months on end. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, I think that God set me up with that one because for months prior to my departure, I have been thinking about this verse, and for decades, that verse had always been a clarion call for Rob Iman to ramp up the discipline, you know, increase the Bible reading, increase the prayer, increase the ministry, uh, you know, because I felt like if I could just fill my head with truth, if I could fill my life with doing things of truth and good for the Lord, then it would, it would work down into my heart and I would find the zeal increasing. That strategy worked for decades, but it wasn't working this time. So this renewal eve was a chance for me to break away from the familiar in an attempt to break out of the eddy. I knew, starting off, that I had to surrender my time to the Lord quickly and early in this, into this renewal leave, because if I had started off slow, you know, and said, well, I'll take the first week as vacation and putz around the house, and you know, I knew that I would just be in the eddy, you know, eight weeks later. So I decided that what I needed to do was uh, something different. I also needed something more than I could generate on my own. I needed to, needed to find a place that was outside of my familiar things, and I needed to find a person who was outside of my typical relational circle. So I pursued something I've never done before. I looked for a multi-day, individually, individually guided, silent retreat, and I wanted to find one that didn't have the environs of the Midwest. <laughs> it just had to be different. And I found such a thing in the Sacred Heart Jesuit Retreat House in Sedalia, Colorado. So I began my leave with a six-day, individually directed, silent retreat, which meant that apart from prayer that I had experienced throughout the day, my only other conversation every day was one hour every morning with my spiritual director. Her name was Paula. Every morning, Paula would help me focus attention on the presence and work that God had going on in my life. She did this by listening very deeply, asking some really good questions, and then near the end of our time, she would suggest some readings or practices that I could do to help me more fully explore the things that were surfacing in our time together. It seems pretty simple and straightforward, but it's amazing what God does as grace flows and the Lord shows up. 
On that first day after hearing my story and gently probing around, Paula suggested that I read Ignatius's first principle and foundation, along with any chapter that I wanted to from uh, David Benner's book, Surrender to Love. Uh, she said, just look through the book and see if anything jumps off the page at you and just kind of go with where your heart is leading you as you read those chapters. So I left her, I left her little office. I uh, went out and found two copies of those things. Uh, found a nice sunny spot and um, sat down to read. First thing to do was to read the first principle and foundation. I cracked it open and it wasn't long. I think it's like the third sentence, okay? When I was stopped in my track with these words. Our own response of love allows God's life to flow into us without limits. Wait a minute. You mean my response of love to God's love given to me, my response of love is the floodgate that opens or reduces and constricts the life of God that flows into me? Uh, my mind went to Ephesians 4 where Paul talked about how the Gentiles who were outside of Christ are separated from the life of God and there's darkness in that. I, I thought about John 15 where Jesus talks about the, the branch abiding in the vine so that the life of the vine flows into the branch and the branch produces fruit, fruit that will last. And then I thought about, thought about that memory verse. Remember the memory verse we did at the first part of 2020 back in January, uh, first part of this year? From Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19, we did 14 through 21. I just want to do 14 through 19 today. The Apostle Paul is writing, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family on heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that you, being rooted, hang on, and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted, oh boy, I had this down. <laughs> So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, and I pray that you being, I had it, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, get this, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you, that you might know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I was stunned, guys. I was sitting there going, whoa, as I was watching this memory verse that I had begin to merge and, and, and become one with the stuff I was reading. I thought about that, that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. That is the life of God living in me without limit. I mean, I've always thought about the, the Christ living in me as a theological statement, but I had never really brought it down to his life and what that means for me. And then that I would grasp the full extent of God's love. And as I grasp the full extent of God's love, that I would know this love that surpasses knowledge. David Henderson did a great message on this, where the knowing of this love that surpasses knowledge, you can't know it in your head because it's beyond knowledge. This knowing is a personal knowing. It's a relational knowing. It's an experiential knowing. That I might experience this love that passes knowledge, surpasses knowledge. That I might be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. To be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God is to have God's life flowing into us without limit. It is to be living in that center of the river where the current is strongest, that current that is carrying us and guiding us and compelling us. Where? The ocean of God's love. Full depth and width and height and breadth of it all. Where we can see it. This is what my heart wanted. As I was doing my little spin in the eddy, this is what my heart wanted. And I was wondering... How do I get there? 
thought about how being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God depends upon my experience of this love that surpasses knowledge. I did a couple of journal entries, thought about it a bit, went and had lunch, had a marvelous nap in a hammock under a shade tree, uh, then cracked open Benner's book and began to read, and it wasn't long before I was stopped in my tracks again. Benner wrote, genuinely encountering love is not the same as inviting Jesus into your heart, joining or attending a church, or doing what Jesus commands. It is the experience of love that is transformational. I ever experienced God's love. Where have I experienced? It's the experience of love that's transformational. And here's the, the line that just stuck with me. You simply cannot bask in divine love and not be affected. Drop the book in my lap. Bask in divine love? What is that? How does anyone bask in divine love? It seems like Benner basks in divine love as a part of his daily experience. I sat there, it was really interesting, because I was basking in the warmth of the sunshine, and that later became a metaphor for how to go more fully into this. As I was basking in the warmth of that, um, that late fall summer sunshine in Colorado, my mind turned to my own journey of faith, how the Lord has interacted with me along the way. My walk of faith began with a profound and stunning experience of God's love for me. It was so amazing, so overwhelming, and so personalized that I could not ignore it. I remember fully what was taking place as I said to my friend, if this is how much God loves me, then I, 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 I've got to get everything I have, everything I am to him. That's what I want to do. I was responding to love. I was responding with love to the love that I had received. Now, three months later, I began to learn about this love. I began to study this love. And what happened was my experience of love over time began to transition to an understanding of God's love that was connected to a marvelous memory of an experience I had. Now, my faith journey along the way, you know, I started with an experience of God's love. My faith journey has been punctuated with moments where God's love has broken in several times. It just blown me away. But now I was challenged with this idea of basking in divine love every day. How do you go about doing that? You see, God is love, right? Scripture says, 1 John, that God is love. And so when I experience God's love, I'm also experiencing his life. And when I experience his life, I'm experiencing his love. While theologically, we can separate those two elements and talk about them, practically and experientially, when we bump into them, we are finding one and both are the same because they are forever entwined. The memory verse kept coming to mind, that I might know this love that surpasses knowledge. Knowing God's love is more than a matter of just believing things about God. Because personal knowing goes beyond objective knowing, right? I began thinking about this. I never say, you know, so my wife's name is Anne. I never say, I believe in Anne. I say, I know Anne, right? Could I ever come to the place where I could say, I don't believe in God. No I began wondering how much of my belief in God 
inhibits my knowledge of God, my knowing of God. That was the end of the first day. <laughs> when the student is ready, the teacher appears. It was said of Ignatius that his longest journey was the trip down from the head to the heart, and after 41 years of following Jesus, I think I'm beginning to understand what that means. Over the last decade, I've been trying to make a very similar journey uh, as I have been trying to change my default uh, thought, okay? So my default thought was always that God was a little bit disappointed with me. And for the last decade, I've been trying to change my default so that when I just think about God, I'm thinking about him smiling, I'm thinking about him loving, I'm thinking about him rejoicing over me like a father would rejoice over a newborn child. Uh, because he is responding to me in love, even singing over me. That's what I'm trying to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm making some good progress on that. Because I used to think that when I sinned in thought, word, or deed, that God's attitude toward me was really negative. You know, I, I would see him with his arms crossed and his, head, his, his brow furrowed, and he's got this disappointed look. He's going, rah, 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 rah. But that's not what Scripture says. The Bible says that rather than push God away, our sin compels him to draw near, to offer more grace. Because when sin is there, grace abounds more and more, doesn't it? Think about it this way. You have a child, let's just say you have a son who's six years old. He's spiking a fever in his bed, he's got cramps and he's hurting, and he cries out for your help. What do you do? Do you run away or do you draw near? You're going to draw near, right? And when you draw near, what do you bring with you? Do you withhold resources or do you bring resources? You bring resources. You bring a cold compress. You bring a, a gentle massage of the back. You, you bring some Tylenol to drop the fever down, you know? God loves you. God loves you. Our sin sickness draws him toward us, not away. See, when we begin to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God for us, it begins to open the way for us to recognize this love in all the different parts of life. There it is again. There it is again. There it is again. And we find ourselves learning to bask in a love that it never stops being expressed to us 24-7, 365. Well, this kind of questioning, listening, and praying continued for several days. Uh, our culture and my life, which matches the culture in many ways, we are so prone to simply move from one thing to the next, aren't we? And there are times, I think, when God says, would you be willing to slow down, to explore something a little bit more, see the riches that I might have for you here? Sometimes I think I, I feel like a, a distracted child that's running around, you know, in a big playroom full of things. And God, my father, is sitting there, and he says, Robbie, come on over, I want to show you something. And I run over, and he shows me something. He says, now, here's what's really cool about this. And I say, thanks, Dad, but wait a minute, I've got these text messages, and I've got a stack of email, and I've got these fun Netflix things I want to watch, and I've got, I've got that, and I run off to do that. It's almost like a first-time tourist in New York City, walking through Times Square. Amazed at all the lights and all the things calling out and all the people so distracted by the stuff around us that we totally miss the manger scene in the middle of it all and the message that manger scene has for us. Well, this renewal leave gave me the rare opportunity to just stop everything else, to listen, and to focus 
on one conversation for several days. As I sought to learn from the Lord, what does it mean to truly love? And God was so deeply faithful. He met me there, and he, he began to crack open the door of what it means to bask every day in his love. And that's what I'm trying to practice even now. Along the way, in those six days, I began to see things that were inhibiting my ability to bask in God's love. Several of them were inner barriers. Many of them were inner barriers. Uh, things that I carried. Uh, pictures of who God is that are not accurate to Scripture. Pictures of who I am that are not accurate to Scripture. Pictures of who the world is and how I relate to people that are not accurate to what the Scripture says is actual truth. These were things that, that were blocking God's ability to be able to have his life flow into me without limit. I couldn't experience his love fully through the, because of those things. And I began to see how some of them were evaporating, like, uh, like spilled water on a Texas sidewalk in July. <laughs> it's gone. Others were a whole lot slower to evaporate. But it's love. It's God's love that's the thing that clears those barriers out of the way. Some quickly, some not so quickly. But I began to see that there were some other barriers, too. It wasn't just the, the stuff I carried, the errors, the, the lies, the stuff I carried in my inner world. It was also how I related to God in these days. Because I began to see how my disciplined effort was the driving force in my relationship with God and how that disciplined effort was actually getting, getting in the way of me experiencing God's love and the clarity. See, I was willful in my following of Christ. In other words, I was the one who was willing this relationship to continue and to make it happen by my disciplined approach of Bible, prayer, and ministry, and everything else. But I was challenged by what Ignatius said. He, he did not say our own response of discipline. No, he said our own response of love allows God's life to flow into us without limit. My response of love to God's love is a different thing than what I've been practicing up to that point. My response of obedience to God's love leads to a willful approach to faith. I will do this. My response of love to God's love leads to a willing surrender to faith. I want to do this for you. It took me right back to that first moment where I came to faith and I was so overwhelmed by God's love that I wanted to do it. Anything he asked, boy, I was all over that because I was blown away by his love. It's a totally different shift in what motivates us. Because when we sit before God's love and allow the evidence of that love to begin rising up within us, something profound begins to shift inside of us. I used to rely on my spiritual practices to maintain my relationship with God. Did you catch those key words? My practices, my relationship, my effort, my deal. Those things are good and right and necessary. Bible reading, prayer, joining with other people in worship, all of those things are necessary. But something profound happens when they are practiced as a loving response to the love God has shown to us. You see, it's the experience of love that takes us from the river's edge and brings us slowly back to the center where the current is the strongest. And it's the current of God's love that carries us, propels us, guides us until we finally reach the ocean of his love and see the full extent of that love with our own eyes. Here's David Benner again. 
Here is no teeth-clenching, willful determination to follow God. Here we find no hint of a resolve based on willpower. What we have is people who are following their heart, a heart captured by God's heart. Determination followed devotion. In contrast to a choosing that is led by will, their focus was on the object of their love, not themselves. It's not a my, 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 me, me, me. It's the object. It's a you, Lord. Wow. And here's the summary of it. God does not want obedience as the fruit of our willful determination. God wants surrender as the choice of the heart. For what we long for in our heart, we will pursue with the totality of our being, not simply with the resolve of our will. On the sixth and final day, I was exhausted. <laughs> and I did not want to meet with Paula. Paula, if you're watching, sorry, that's just the way it was. Uh, but I did meet with her, and I thanked her for being a conduit of God's grace into my life. And I left that retreat house on September 19th. Let me tell you, friends, I have been pondering this stuff every day since then and trying to apply it. And this past week was just God's, I mean, just with two funerals and all kinds of other things and Christmas Eve. It's like, Lord, how do I allow your life to flow through me without limit? Everything in life, you know, uh, carries the potential of calling forth in us deeper response to our life in God. Friends, there's so much more for me to share, and I do have one more thing which I'll share just before the benediction today. But for now, as we enter into a new year, I want to simply remind us all what God reminded me in the hills, uh, foothills of the Rockies uh, so many months ago. You and I do not have the commitment ability. We do not have the power to generate within us the commitment that's needed to stay anchored to God. His love is the only power that will hold the anchor firm. This COVID storm, imagine a, a storm with boats on the surface of the water, and there's a COVID storm that's just churning up the waters of our lives, and it's causing many boats, many lives to be jumping around, and it's pulling the anchor away from God. Some people are being pulled away from God, and they're doing it intentionally. They're asking some really hard questions of themselves, and they're not finding good answers. Questions like, why am I still doing this? Why do I believe what I used to believe? Why should I believe it anymore? Why should I do what I used to do anymore? Others are simply just drifting as wave after wave strikes the boat of their life and it pulls the anchor away from God and they don't even realize it's happening. But we're drifting or we're leaving the things that we used to do. We're saying, why would I want to give my time, talent, or treasure in any kind of sacrificial way to someone else? Why would I want to read the Bible or pray on a daily basis? Why would I want to gather with anybody else? Why would, I, why would I take the time to come in here during a global pandemic? Why would I take the time to turn on my computer or my TV to join in when I'm all alone at home and sing? This is, why would I do any of that anymore? It doesn't really matter anyway, right? Friends, and we slow down long enough to grasp a wide, long, high and deep is the love of Christ for us. It opens the way for us to begin to experience this love that surpasses knowledge. And we begin to see it every place of our lives and all throughout the day. And, and then that opens the way for us to grow in this understanding of being filled to the measure of the fullness of God as God's life flows into us without limit. And when that begins to happen, as we grow in that, it changes the way we view. It changes the way we interact with ourselves, others, and the world. We find ourselves seeing things from a different perspective. 
find ourselves with a different reason for staying connected to one another, different motivation for being faithful to God's call to love the world. So in 2021, rather than work harder on securing our anchor to God and resolving and being willful and saying, I'm going to do this, you join me? Learning how to bask in God's love? Because it's the experience of divine love that is transformational to us all. Check out the Amplify Guide on our website where I've included the first principle and foundation. I've also included uh, three books from David Benner that have been instrumental in my own life and just helping me think through some of these things. He doesn't give you answers, but he gives you some things to think about and the Holy Spirit then opens the door and it's fascinating what happens with that. And I wonder if, you know, between now and next week, you know, this is between Christmas and New Year's. For many people, the season is different. We don't have the same schedule we typically have. I wonder if it might be possible to um, take some time this week, 15 minutes every day, an hour every day, three days, take some time to simply focus on the topic of God's love. Consider your response to it. Asking the Lord to open you up to see it more clearly. Quite frankly, the goal of our lives is to live with God forever, right? God who loves us gave us life. Our own response of love allows God's life to flow into us without limit. Everything in life carries the potential of calling forth in us a deeper response to our life in God. Therefore, want and I choose what better leads God deepening his life. Pray with me. Lord, this stuff has blown my mind. And I, you know, it's like, gee, I'm the pastor. I should know this stuff. Well, yeah, well, this is where I am right now, Lord. And you are the one who's leading. You are the one who's guiding. And I thank you for the way that you never give up and that even now, you smile. You're not disappointed. You're not shaking your head. But you are smiling and singing. Your love is a firm foundation on which to build our lives, Lord. So break in. Show us who you are. Fill us with your heart. And lead us on to experience the love you have for us, the love you have for all people, that we might be changed by your love forever. In Christ's name.